The following talk was given at the Insight Meditation Center in Redwood City, California. Please visit our website at audiodharma.org. So first, uh, thank you for being here today. And um, I certainly appreciated all of you and the quiet in the room and stillness here. It felt quite quiet and still for one of these days. And uh, I believe that it's an act of generosity to share your practice with other people. Uh, some of you might have come for the support of being here with others. But even if you came here for support, by your presence, you're offering support for others who could use the support. And so I think of it as a gift that each of you are here and practicing, offering your practice in the presence of others. And um, I hope that uh, some of the things that could be shed or softened, loosened up, that were good for you to shed or loosen up, were shed and loosened up. That uh, some of the things that build up, some of the the crusts around us that we develop uh, begin to fall away. And um, I'll tell you a story that I told on Wednesday morning. That in, um, sometime in the last century, in Thailand, they were going to move a Buddha. There was a very big, very big, greater than life-size plaster statue of the Buddha that they were going to move maybe from one temple to another or not sure from where to where. But maybe. And um, so they came with a crane to pick up this very large plaster Buddha. And they stood, they like somehow put straps on it and started to lift it. But it turned out that uh, the Buddha was a lot heavier than they could have imagined. And so maybe one of the ropes broke or somehow it fell onto its corner and uh, some of the plaster broke. And underneath the plaster, there was solid gold. So then they took off the rest of the plaster. In fact, the statue was solid gold. Maybe not solid all the way through, but you know, it was a cast. And, um, and what they discovered, what they were able to reconstruct, was about two or three hundred years earlier, uh, the statue had stood at the capital of Thailand back then, and, um, and the Burmese army was invading Thailand, and they didn't want the Burmese to take all their gold. So they plastered the statue in order to hide the fact that it was gold. And a plaster Buddha is not worth that much for, you know, the Burmese weren't going to take plaster back. And um, so, in fact, the Buddha was safe from the Burmese. And, um, but then over time, people forgot it was plaster. And I mean, they forgot that it was plastered, forgot that it was gold. And uh, until they tried to move it in the last century, and it, it's, so now you can go see it in Bangkok. It's, it's there, and it's this big gold Buddha. So a national treasure in, in Thailand. And um, so we also build up crust, plaster, um, alter egos, defenses, resentments, hurts, fears that we get, get kind of tight and cr- encrusted with. And, um, and part of uh, what practice does, uh, hopefully a day like today, if it didn't break off, you know, 
at least you got a kind of a crack in your plaster. And maybe you can guess that there's gold inside. Maybe you can see it a little bit shining. And, um, and eventually you'll find the solid gold that's there. So a big part of practice is um, shedding the stuff that builds up, the extra stuff, the crust, the personas, the masks, the, the things, the attachments, the clingings, the grasping, the fears, the ways we're frozen, all the kind of t- things that are stuck. And those get uh, loosened, they get cracked off, they get dissolved off, they kind of get shed. And a big part of Buddhist practice is the shedding of all this extra stuff. And um, so I hope that uh, whatever that built up for you this week that, was not, that is not needed could little bit be put down or shed. The other part of Buddhist practice is not just about shedding, but it's also about picking up. And we shed to become freer but we also shed so that we can choose what we pick up. And, uh, and it's, there's wonderful things to pick up and to live by and guide our life by. And so uh, in Buddhism, there's such things as the Brahma Viharas, the divine abodes, the four places to live, uh, the four kinds of love that I've mentioned today, loving kindness, compassion, appreciative joy, and equanimity. There's uh, ethics, living by by the virtues of the five precepts. There's generosity, picking up the act of generosity. There's picking up a dedication, maybe even a devotion, if you like that kind of word, to practice, to goodness, to service, to being in the world. There's picking up confidence. And uh, part of the, one of the purposes of practice is in fact to develop an unshakable confidence that uh, means that in the face of challenges, in the face of danger even, of all kinds, that that confidence we have is unshakable. We can sit upright, we can look the challenge right in the face, and something about it in us doesn't get afraid. Something inside of us doesn't pull back or shut down. Um, and that's one of the purposes of practice is to develop this unshakable confidence. And we pick it up, we appreciate it, live by it. And um, develop, we pick up sometimes the, uh, the power of forgiveness. Sometimes the power of truth. I think sometimes uh, we forgive and sometimes we stand in the truth. I think that in Buddhism, um, I've never heard of any Buddhist uh, teaching about if someone hits you, uh, turn the other cheek, give them the other cheek. But rather the Buddhist thing, I think it's a, it has this profound thing, that teaching. It's not that I want to dismiss it. But um, in, if anything, the Buddhist point of view is if someone hits you, Look them right in the eye. <laughs> don't turn around. Don't turn away. Don't offer them more. Just look them right in the eye. You know that. Just look at them and see what's there. The um, and um, the uh, one of the former abbesses of the San Francisco Zen Center, um, 
Blanche Hartman, a huge turning point in her life. She didn't tire of talking about it in her Dharma talk. She probably talked about it here when she came. Was um, during the Vietnam War going to a protest, to protest the Vietnam War at San Francisco State. She wasn't a student there, but she, it was, she went there to be part of a protest. And somehow she was pushed up against maybe the National Guard and the protesters and face to face, chest to chest maybe. And, and the two of them looked each other in the eye. They saw each other. And something in see, looking into the eye of the National Guardman changed her life forever. And I don't remember what she said, but, the, but there was something about the compassion, the care, the human contact that changed her. Or the story that I was told on retreat once about someone who uh, had been in the South during the civil rights time. And uh, I'd gone to a street corner to stand and protest, you know, demonstration, nonviolent demonstration in favor of civil rights. And with a small group of people, and a pickup truck came with some, I forget how that she described them, but certainly white people, and uh, who didn't like what they were doing. And the truck stopped in front of them and they jumped out and the people, uh, these white men beat, beat them up. So the next day they went and stood on the same street corner to continue the protest. Same people came by, jumped out of the pickup truck, and beat them up again. Next day, they go back and stand in the same street corner. Now, is this stupid? Or is this courageous? Is this living a life of confidence, standing in truth, looking at it right in the eye? Look, this is what's happening. So sure enough, the third day, this woman told me, the pickup truck came again. And the same guys jumped out. And the guy stood above her with his fist ready to hit her again. And she looked up at him and they looked into each other's eyes. And the guy said, what are you doing here? <laughs> what do you, Mickey, he couldn't, maybe couldn't believe it. They were there like ready to be beat up again. They weren't defending themselves, right? They were very, they, they, you know, they were trained in civil, dis, in nonviolent disobedience or nonviolent protesting back then. And so when he asked, what are you doing here? That was the opening. And then they had a conversation. And there was, that day there was no beating. And said that they talked about what was going on. And I don't know the rest of the story. I don't know, you know, if there was a big, I don't know if that changed the South, but, <laughs> but, um, but uh, you know, it changed something. So we look at right in the eye. So they pick up the power of truth and confidence and be able to be there. So, I want to read to you this um, um, passage from 1753 by a French philosopher named Diderot. And he wrote, Having strayed into an immense forest during the night, I have only a small light to guide me. I come across a stranger who says to me, my friend, blow out your candle in order to better find your way. Blow out your candle to better find, find your way. This stranger is the theologian. 
So back in 1753, the theologian. Nowadays, what would we say? The the Dharma teacher? (laughs) Blow out the light. So, you know, the more dark things become, the more we're allowed to see something else. So the greater the challenges that we live under, uh, the greater things are seen. Things that sometimes, for some people, have been invisible, or they've been visible to the degree to which they're there. Some of the great stresses of our society stand out and highlight, and it's important to see it in a way that in the past maybe only some people saw, but a lot of people ignored it. So now they're coming out and everyone can see. But more importantly, when things go dark and things are challenging, uh, we can begin finding our values, finding what we think is most important, we're asked to call upon uh, the most important values that we have in a way that's meaningful and consequential and important, in a way we can't ignore them if our life is comfortable, everything's going along, you know, whatever. And, uh, and it's a wonderful thing to, to have these important values come forth. And, and I think that we all have the opportunity to question our values, to reconsider what we want to build our life by on, what we want to pick up, and what we have confidence in, what we want to devote ourselves to. And if we kind of consider this and engage in a way of practice, shedding what gets in the way, actively considering our values and our confidence and what we want to, what we believe in, I think that uh, we won't get very afraid and we won't get bitter because we'll have agency, we'll have something we can do. And uh, I hope that um, whether things get more difficult or things get better over the next months and years, I hope that whatever challenges we go through now, that we use the opportunity to become better people, to let the be- what's better in us to come forth and live in us and help us and help our society. And I hope that this kind of sitting for the day and being quiet and getting in touch and being intimate, maybe touching into qualities of love or empathy, that uh, this is an important part of the journey to become better people and better people for our society. So thank you for being here. I hope all of you will have a good weekend. I hope this day is, sets your weekend in a good place and that uh, you can offer whatever goodness you have to the people that you encounter over this weekend. Because I think sharing our goodness is something that many people can benefit from. Thank you.